You want to create massive change in your organization and create a culture of a level of standards and performance that you want to see? Do that. Be that. Hi, I'm Zach Aaron, and I've transformed the lessons learned in the rodeo arena into a successful 20-year career in entrepreneurial leadership, building teams, developing leaders, and helping companies thrive. Today, I coach Mavericks, artistic visionary business owners and entrepreneurial leaders on the wild ride of being the ultimate leader. Because true leadership is an art. It's not about what you do or how you do it. It's about who you're being. Leadership from the inside out. This is being in the arena. Welcome to the arena. I'm your host, Zach Arend. And before we get into today's episode, I want to invite you to join me on January 10th for Leading in the Arena, a live event where I'm going to be hosting two versions of this event that day, one virtually online for all of my um, community that's all over the world, and then those local to Kansas City, or if you want to travel, come on in. We're going to be together that evening in person, downtown Kansas City, that's January 10th, Leading in the Arena. So I don't know about you, but it's the new year right around the corner, and What I want nothing more than to make 2024 count, to have the best year ever. And if that's you, like me, then join me for Leading in the Arena because we are going to really go deep into how you, as an entrepreneurial leader, can amplify your influence with your team, the impact you have on those around you in your business, and ultimately your own personal freedom in how you go about your day-to-day. And here's what's different about this training. Unlike all the other ones where they just unload a bunch of information and you take a bunch of notes and you leave with a bunch of stuff to go do, you've already got enough stuff to go do. I'm not going to give you any more of that. This is different. You're going to look at who you're being in your business and in your life, and you're going to learn. You're going to learn how to transform your business, the role you have in that business and your relationships from the inside out. So join me for this powerful and transformational evening and day if you're, you're joining virtually. It's January 10th. There's limited spots. So if you're going to be able to make it, go ahead and sign up. Reserve a spot now. Go to www.zacharend.com forward slash workshop. That's zacharend, Z-A-C-H-A-R-E-N-D.com forward slash workshop. Okay, so now let's get into the episode today. Several weeks ago, I asked... Those that are reading my daily email, the eight second coach, where I share with them a powerful transformational coaching question every morning to help them kind of center themselves on their day and step in who they, into who they truly know themselves to be and, and be able to create the results they want to in their life. And so these questions I've been coming, I've written over almost 200 questions now. I've been at this for a little while every day for almost a year now. And I decided to go, to gift those that are like my top readers, an opportunity to ask me a question and and they would get a personal response from me. And one of my readers sent me this question and I've already responded to him, but I wanted to turn my response into a podcast episode because the question was so important. And I think it's on the mind of so many leaders in, in their businesses and in their organizations. So the question, what did he ask? He said, What are the immediate impacts a leader can have on a culture and a business to take that next step from startup to well-oiled machine? He goes on to say, you know, financials are ultimately a huge factor for sure in the above question. But the deeper insight I'm looking for is how one makes an impact 
on an organization's people and culture to uplift a business as a whole. I don't know about you, but you can already tell so much about this individual by the questions he's asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Financials, profit, of course, we've got to shore that up in the business. But he's not really asking about that. He's saying, this is what I'm reading. I care about my people and I care about the environment that everybody steps into every day. And it's important to me that we do it like a a group of professionals, like we're going from startup to well-oiled machine. And well-oiled machine, you know, what does that mean? What does that represent for you? You know, when I think of well-oiled machine, it's just like it's everybody's working together and we're all aligned towards what we're here to do together. And we're able to create incredible results because of that alignment. And we're able to get to our vision so much quicker. And we're able to do so as a fun-loving, healthy team that enjoys working with one another. That's what I read when I read Well Oil Machine. But most of all, you're all going to define that differently if you're listening to this episode. If you have a business or if you're an executive leader, you're going to define that differently. And you should. There is no right way. So everything I'm about to share with you, I, I believe it's going to be extremely helpful and useful for you. But it doesn't mean that like I am the ultimate truth. I'm no guru. I'm no expert. I don't necessarily have the answers. I have helpful perspectives that I think will serve you. And that's all that is. And so most importantly, well-oiled machine is at the root of that is it, it's a, uh, what is that? What do you want that to mean for your organization? What are your values? What are the behaviors and standards that would exist for you to have a well-oiled machine? Because that's an important and critical question. I want to share with you my response to the question, though, because when he asked this question, what I'm reading is like, okay, I'm a new leader. In fact, this individual has recently been promoted to CEO of his organization, rose through the, through the company. I think he was an operations role. Now he's the CEO of the, the entire organization. And he's asking a great question. Like if you're in his seat, like how do I impact this organization in a positive way culturally and for my people while not sacrificing the financial health of the business? In fact, how do I do that as well and let that thrive? But as a byproduct of great culture, great people, great environment for people to come to work. That's such a great question. That's a question a CEO asks about their business. And I don't care if you own a business. I don't care if you're the CEO. Ask that question about your team. I don't care if you lead one person. You create an environment. You create a set of standards and behaviors. And that is then going to yield a result for you personally and for that other individual or that team of individuals and ultimately the business. So this is an important question no matter who you are. Even if maybe you don't even have it, maybe maybe you're at home, maybe maybe four kids is what you have, and that is enough. You know, probably even more of an important question. In fact, I get into that in my answer, like being a parent of three daughters. It's like, yeah, same applies at home. How do I create an environment at home where there's not this stress and tension and, you know, we're all yelling at each other, you know, hurry up, get out the door, we got to go to school, you know. It's the same thing. So, okay, let's get into it. The first thing I shared with this this reader that asked the question was this fall, I attended an interview with Walter Isaacson at the Kauffman Center, downtown Kansas City. Walter Isaacson, if you don't know, he just recently wrote a biography on Elon Musk. Excellent book. But in the interview, one of the first questions he was asked is he said he was asked, you know, if you could summarize Elon in like one sentence, what would how would you do that? And he said, 
Elon drives people crazy, but he drives people to do the impossible. And look, I, I had, you know, Elon Musk, you, if you pull up the news headlines, there's so much controversy and there has been for years around this guy. You know, he has a reputation for kind of being an a-hole. And I don't know. There's just something about where everybody else wants to just judge and, and throw stones. I'm always kind of looking. I don't care who it is. If it's my clients, if it's somebody like this who's in the news lines getting a lot of controversy. Like, I just see the good in every. You know, that sounds really like I'm so great. I see the good. In, but I try really hard to see the gold within each person, to see their unique abilities. That Because you can't deny Elon Musk. He's undeniable. You cannot look away from this guy in what he's been able to accomplish in his life and in his businesses multiple times. And so that gets me really curious, you know, like how the heck has he, how's he doing this? And what I love about Elon Musk, and this is what I read in the biography is, you know, if you're asking questions, how do I transform my organization? How do I create this massive leap in our culture? in the standards of performance and ways of thinking and being in the business. If you would love to do that, take a lesson from Elon Musk because he's done it. He's done it time and time again, but most recently he's done it with his acquisition of Twitter. Now, again, a lot of controversy, but I'm not, I don't care about, it. I'm looking for where's the gold in this. What can I learn from this? And this is what I'm learning from this. And I think you're going to find this really useful because when he took over Twitter, he was in his words, transforming a woke culture into a culture that he called hardcore. He basically said this organization of that's so worried about psychological safety and lattes and massages, that is not going to create incredible results. That is not going to create the impossible. That's not going to do it. He's like, if we're going to create massive change in an industry and disrupt our industry and create amazing results, we have to become hardcore. That's how he saw it. I'm not telling you, you have to make your company hardcore. This is just, I just want you to listen for the lessons here. And I'll try to highlight a few at the end, but we need to take Twitter from a woke culture. This is, these are his words to hardcore. I'm like, okay, cool. I could see that. And this is how he did it. Him and his team, they knew they had to make cuts. There were so many people, the business was losing money. They knew they had to make cuts and they'd already made some cuts. I know I don't remember how many, um, but it came to a point where it's like, wow, we, we've got to make some cuts. But it's also apparent that there are some people that really aren't buying into this whole hardcore culture. It's apparent. You stand around the water cooler long enough, you, you'll hear, you'll know, you'll see that not everybody's on board. And so instead of going on a witch hunt and hunting these people out and calling them out, and we're not going to do that. In fact, the approach that Elon took, I love. Him and his team drafted an email. And he, in this email, asked people to opt in to the new Twitter 2.0, to opt in. And if they chose not to opt in, that's okay. In fact, if you don't want to opt in, we can part ways and you'll, you can leave here with three months severance. I love that. I just do. I love that because he put people in a position of ownership and choice. He didn't push his expectations on people. He gave them a choice. And I just, I think that shows, a, you know, I probably never been uttered in the history of time, but I think that shows people a lot of respect to kind of say, hey, this, look, this is who I am. And this is how I run a business. 
You can agree with it or disagree with it, but look, I'm going to give you an opportunity to opt in and choose this. And if you don't want to choose this, that's okay. Just pay attention to how he's being in that situation. You want to create massive change in your organization and create a culture of a level of standards and performance that you want to see? Do that. Be that. Give people that opportunity. Enroll them. And we're going to get into some takeaways here at the end. But I'm going to read you the email, the memo that he sent out to all to thousands of his employees. Here's what it said. And, you know, it's from Elon. I think the subject line was Twitter 2.0. And this is what he said. He said, going forward to build Twitter 2.0 and succeed in an increasingly competitive world, we will need to be extremely hardcore. This will mean working long hours at high intensity. If you are sure that you want to be a part of the new Twitter, please click yes on the link below. Anyone who has not done so by 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, Thursday, will receive three months severance. Signed, Elon. And behind the scenes, Elon and his leadership team, they, they put down bets. Like how many people would say yes? How many people would opt in? Elon predicted that 1,800 people would opt in. In the end, 2,492 people, almost 2,500 people said yes. 69% of the workforce said yes. And Twitter Hardcore was born. That is how you transform a culture. And, and for sure, that's the moment the work, real work begins for, for the individuals that said yes, no question. But what I love most about this story, I love this story because the email was about to go out and it was going to ask people to opt out of Twitter hardcore. Here's your chance. If you want out, get out now. Click, I'm out, and we will give you three months severance. Elon said, no, I don't want them choosing to opt out. I want to ask them to opt in. He's like, just like Shackleton did. <laughs> you know that the Antarctic expedition, Ernest Shackleton, the, how the story goes, he put an ad in the paper. It read this. It said, men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Ernest Shackleton. And as the story goes, he had a line, people lined up to join him on his journey across the Antarctic. That, I believe, is leadership. And I think it's become an unpopular form of leadership. And I don't think we have to throw this way of being out because we're afraid of being jerks or a-holes. Because I don't think we have to be to the extreme and hardcore as Elon to get similar results. So if you are looking to transform your culture, it starts with the question of who are you being? And, you know, I mentioned earlier this event that we're doing on January 10th, leading in the arena. It's not about what you do or how you do it. It's about who you're being. And that's what we're going to be going deeper into is, you know, who are you being? Are you embodying your vision? Are you a stand for something? Are you enrolling people into your vision and giving them an opportunity to, to opt out? Are you making it almost easy for them to say no? So those that do say yes, you already know they're all in. So that's what I want you to see in the story is who is Elon being? And how might that inform who you might be to create the results you want in your life and your business? And so I want to leave you with a few principles that I pulled from this story. As I was writing it to this reader, this is what I'm taking away from it. And I, found, I think you'll find it really useful. These are the practical takeaways. 
Number one, only speak to what you want. So what results and outcomes do you want to see in your business and in your life? Enlist people, invite people to create that with you. Make it about what you want to see rather than what you don't want to see. You know, we're all too good at telling people what we don't want or don't like and walk around all frustrated and complaining. But here's the thing, you know, like you're creative and you're powerful and you can have more of what you want in your life. You just have to know what that is. So start speaking to what you want so that you can give people clarity and so that they have the opportunity to rise to that invitation. For you to have the business that has made the jump from startup to well-oiled machine, you know, whatever it is, wherever, whatever transformation you would love to see in your business, what would have to be true if that were the case? Like, what would that look like? What would have to be true in your business? Not what would you have to fix or what problems would you have to solve? No, no, it's what do you want? What would have to be true for that to be the case, for you to have transformed your business in the way that you know would serve you, the business, and everybody in it. Make it more profitable, more fun, more freedom. So only speak to what you want. Number two, embody the vision. Embody the vision. In other words, be your vision. A vision isn't a place to get to. It's a place to come from. One of my coaches and mentors once told me. It's a place to come from. It's a it's something, it's a way of being your vision, coming from that vision. And as a parent, so I told you I was a parent of three girls, and it's funny, my girls never do what I, well, sometimes they do, but there's an often a case they don't do what I tell them to do. They don't behave the way I tell them to behave. More often, they, they just simply do what I do. They behave as I behave. So it's, I can't help myself, you know, almost every time they do behave, you know, they're frustrated and yelling at their sister and whatever. I'm, oh shoot, I see myself in them. I'm thinking, dang it, I taught them that. Dang it, you know, shoot, <laughs> you know, and it, as a parent, there's nothing more real than being able to look at yourself in the mirror through your, your children's behavior. Now, please don't hear like, uh, I'm not guilt tripping because I don't know if this is completely true. I don't, but I find it useful because I get to be responsible when I say like, oh, I, I taught them that instead of just judging them again, like, well, you shouldn't behave that way. You don't yell at your sister. Like, well, wait a minute. Have I ever yelled at them? Okay. Well, let's own that. So uh, again, I, I, I'm, I'm not telling you this is the one way to be, but I find it useful. I don't know if it's completely true, but it's useful for me and maybe it's useful for you. So simply owning that. You know, simply owning that your behavior and you embodying the vision is what you're going to create in your organization. You always get what you tolerate. So you have to go first. You have to embody the vision. You have to walk around with it everywhere you go. That's number two. Number three, you have to learn to create powerful agreements with your team and with the individuals in your life. And you have to kill your expectations. You have to create powerful expect agreements. You have to create powerful agreements and you have to kill expectations. Expectations are always in the eye of the beholder, meaning like I have a version of expectations of my children and my wife and everybody in my life, right? They're, you know, it's there, but it's just my expectation. It doesn't mean it's the universal truth. And it's like, everybody should just know what my expectations are. And that's true for you as a leader too. Like, to have expectations is just a recipe for frustration. And instead of doing that, I just want to invite, you know, 
ask you to, what if you were to invite them into a conversation? Sure. Take your expectations and turn them in, you know, listen to them. Like, God, I would really love to expect this from my team, or I don't think it's too much to expect them to do this or that. That's cool. I'm not saying don't have expectations, but invite them into a conversation and, and create some agreements around it. Share your perspective. Let them know what you think the business needs and what it's going to require them. And then don't finish with, and so my expectation is we really pull together and we give it all we got. You know, we're going to have to, well, my expectation is we're going to have to work overtime. No, don't say that. Ask for agreement. So can we all agree that we're, we're all on board with navigating these next 60 days and leaving, ending these next 60 days more profitable and more successful than ever? Okay, can we all agree that it's going to take more hours and more dedication and intensity just for these next several months? Can we agree to that? Okay. You know, now all of a sudden you're like, dang, you got a team behind you, with you, and you feel it. It's going to give you energy as a leader. It's going to leave them feeling like they're a part of something. And the the key takeaway of this one is remember that people support what they create, and you can't allow them to create anything if you just walk around hoity-toity with expectations. Well, I just expect them to do that. And well, I just expected them to have it to me by the end of the week. Well, what was your agreement with them? Okay. So create powerful agreements and kill your expectations, or at least transform your expectations into agreements. Number four, if you want to transform your organization or anything, if you want to have impact, you have to have the courage to be disliked. This one's hard. And I did a recent episode on people pleasing and how you will lead no one if you are hung up on pleasing others. You can't be a great leader and please everyone. You have to have the courage to be disliked. And as long as you try to be liked by people and to make sure everybody's happy all the time, you're diminishing your ability to lead and to create results you want to see. And you know what? You're not only hurting yourself, you are hurting your team by doing what you think they will please them and not doing what you think might upset them. You are treating them as if they're fragile. And I think the I think the smart ones, the high achievers, can smell that a mile away. And and it kind of they don't say anything, but deep down they're I got this. Like you don't need to protect me. Let me run. Let, be willing to be honest with me. I can handle it. Because I don't know about you. If you were working for a leader, would you not want them to give you the truth, the honest perspectives of what that leader's seeing? And even if it was going to rub you the wrong way, wouldn't you want to know the truth? Everybody I've asked that question have said, well, yeah, absolutely. Return the favor. Have the courage to be disliked. I'm not telling you to go walk around and just be an a-hole and not care about what people, you know, just stomp on people's feelings. And that's not what I'm saying. But you have to be willing to, oops, yeah, that, ooh, yeah, I, I really upset them. You know, it kind of makes sense that they're upset, you know, given this is how they're seeing it and this is how they're interpreting what I said. I can go clean that up or I need to be even more clear with them because they're not seeing what I'm seeing. They might not like me even more after they hear this, but they need to hear this. You have to have the courage to be disliked because the best leaders I've ever worked with and for and coached, the ones that are getting the biggest results are the ones that are willing to be disliked. And all my, it, it kind of can feel icky. It's never always fun, but the team begins to really appreciate them for them, for that and really respect them for that. And people follow courage all day long. So have the courage to be disliked. Number five, the last one, 
repeat yourself often. You know, I wrote this one and I'm like, this is such a cliche thing. You know, there's that old saying, you got to tell people seven times for them to hear them, hear something for the first time. There's just something about some of these sayings that just kind of diminish people. Like, I'm not an idiot. I don't need you to repeat yourself seven times so that I finally hear it for the first time. There's just something patronizing about it, I guess. I don't know if that's the right use of that word, but, but there is a, an element of truth to consistency, but I don't think it's repeating yourself often. Again, back to number one, this is about behavior, not about what you say. So if you're going to say something, act on what you say, and then you have, you have gravity, gravitas, power, presence. When you say something and then you take action on it very soon thereafter, it's like, oh, she ain't kidding around. This is for real. Okay, game on, right? So just repeating yourself often, that's called being a talking head. No, no, you have to back that up with some sort of action because there's the old saying, people always hear what you say and then they watch what you do. If those two things aren't in integrity, then they're going to label it as raw, raw speech, motivation, or <laughs> bullshit, right? Either way, they, they're not going to take it seriously. So sure, repeat yourself often, consistently, but you have to consistently act on what you're saying. So I hope you find these five helpful, and I hope you leverage these. How, how could you leverage these in your business, on your team, in your homes, to create the culture? To create the, the level of performance and standards that you want to see, not just for you, but for the benefit of everyone. Because you know what? I like, like this idea. When you get what you want, everyone wins. I believe that 99% of the time that's true. So here's a permission slip to be a little bit more selfish. I'm not asking you to be a narcissist. That Those two things are very different. We can get into that. But selfish, like, you know what? When you get what you want, a lot of people benefit from that. So start to own it, step into who you are, start to step into what you desire and be a stand for it. You do that and you embody that and you be that. And that's, again, what we're going to be exploring on January 10th. Again, I'm not going to be giving you a lot of tips and tricks and tactics and go do this and say this. And you know, no, it's going to be we're really going to look at who are you being and then you're going to see opportunities. You're going to see things that you have not seen before in yourself. And that's going to give you an opportunity to truly transform your leadership from the inside out, from within. So if you're free on January 10th, and again, if you're not in Kansas City, cool, I'm doing a virtual event because the Kansas City event sold out last time. We, we filled, now look, there, I only have seats for like 12 people. It's a small venue. I like it that way. And it's likely going to sell out again. So if you're in Kansas City, sign up. But I wanted to open this up. I have a lot of clients all over the U.S. and I think you'd benefit from this. Clients or, or people on my email list in my community or friends, share this with friends. Sign up now. We're going to be together on January 10th. All the times and dates, all the infos on the website, go to www.zacharen.com forward slash workshop. That's www.zacharen.com forward slash workshop. Thanks for listening, and we will see you in the next episode.